It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. I'm so glad that you're tuning in again today. Happy New Year. 2022 is upon us. Hard to believe. It feels like March of 2020 was just yesterday, doesn't it? We've been through a lot together. And so as we look now to this new year, and perhaps you have some goals that you want to achieve, maybe some aspirations, maybe it's losing weight or whatever it might be, I hope that you're successful in those things if it brings glory to God. What we want to challenge you with here today is a statement that uh, perhaps can be ever-elusive, preparation for battle. You're thinking, wow, it's kind of that kind of broadcast today. Yes, it is. In fact, over the next few weeks, what we want to talk about is the mission that is before us as Christians to be prepared for a very real spiritual battle that is going on all around us. Because as we look into 2022, it may be a bit daunting. Perhaps you're experiencing some adversity right now. Maybe you're going through a challenge in your home your job or your spheres of influence, and and you're navigating it with some consternation and anxiety. And our hope in this is that we are able to put our eyes back on the author and perfecter of our faith and really go back to the beginning of how all of this got started, of how sin entered into this universe, and that we face a very real enemy and how we're equipped to fight against him and how to be successful, what victory really looks like in this landscape today. And as we look into 2022 now, you've probably followed the headlines from time to time. I know that I have, to my chagrin, uh, because it can be very uh, daunting. It easily can draw us into a position of dismay. And and so I want to cover just a little bit about those things with you, some of the headlines and what we're to do about it. Because we could simply consume the media, get further discouraged, and find ourselves in a plate of place of complacency, without any power whatsoever, not taking these things to prayer, not being individuals of the word, individuals faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ, and then wondering why our prayers lack power, why we're not seeing things changing around us, why we're not seeing the strongholds falling around us, because we have so acclimated into the culture, we find ourselves powerless, and that is not who we are in Jesus Christ. He has given us the weapons of warfare and it's time that we use them. And so we're going to go through the armor of God. We're going to talk about who our enemy is and how he works and that he's not alone in what he does. And and therefore, we're not to be uh, discouraged or even surprised by what's going on around us, knowing that the plan has already been conveyed to us through the Holy Word of God, that God saw the end from the beginning, and that you are a part of his plan if you know Jesus Christ. And so to help me in this discussion, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's terrific to be back as we head into 2022 and we get our armor on. That's right. And I think the Lord has great things prepared for his church in the coming year. Amen. And we need to get ready for that. That's right. And as I mentioned, the headlines are disturbing. They are. Uh, and now there are some good ones. I mean, we talk about Roe v. Wade. Um, you right. know, obviously the Supreme Court is hearing that and, and maybe, just maybe, and I would believe if we can unite in prayer over this, we will see Roe v. Wade overturned. And protections of life being uh, not only further amplified, but encouraged and more resources poured into that to defend life at all stages, from the womb to the grave, that life is precious. Uh, So that's a big one we need to be praying over. But ones I think that cause us a bit of uh, discouragement and that we 
have a great deal of anxiety over and stress over, and we need not be stressed over these things. But we are seeing the Supreme Court evaluating executive orders. Seems like lockdowns keep happening. Every time we think that we're finally making some progress, then another wave of another variant of COVID hits us, and then we kind of it feels like we're not making up ground here. We're going backwards. Um, we were seeing Iran and Israel tensions escalating. These things are concerning for us. I was reading the other day even about a U.S. destroyer that shot down an Iranian drone with a laser weapon. And I'm like, are we in Star wow. Wars yeah, here? What is fiction. going on? It's science fiction. Um, and then we see a number of other things. Uh, one that really uh, just caused me some concern, and I had to take this to prayer too. You know, I remember my mother when she was working for Equifax back in the 90s, early 90s, they were talking about this kind of technology. But Sweden just introduced, of course, the RFID chips that are now being inserted into hands in order to simplify transactions, right? Your green pass, your driver's license, all of your uh, abilities to interact even with a vending machine. Now on an RFID tag, just insert it right into the hand. Let's simplify the process. That's, that's a bit of an alarm. Um, there was a beast-like statue. People have been talking about that that was moved out in front of the UN. Uh, seemed to highlight what we read in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Uh, that was a cause for some concern because it seemed to embody the very spirit, not that that is the beast, but right. certainly the image, right? That we go, wow, look what we're celebrating here. Right. That, that's right. the very image of it. Uh, and then, of course, Russia now mounting up against Ukraine and 100,000 plus soldiers being prepared there uh, to invade a, another country. It seems uh, just unheard of these days. And we thought, well, we've been talking about peace. How does this happen again? And so all these things can cause great consternation because this list goes on and on and on. And then people just talk about that. It, it becomes the water cooler talk, as we were even mentioning before yeah. the show, of just saying this, this is what we consume instead of talking about Christ Jesus and the power that he gives us and that we can see strongholds fall. We can see mountains moved if you're truly a people of prayer and not of gossip and really taking these things to him. And so, Dr. Ford, let me ask this question of our listener, and then maybe you can bounce some thoughts here off of all of us, uh, because I know you're filled with wisdom. But I, I had to ask the congregation this past Sunday this very real question. Do we believe that the devil exists? Is he a figment of our imagination? When we read scripture, do we treat him like we placate him as some sort of an ancient deity, just not really around anymore? Uh, that That's just the work of, of fiction, like C.S. Lewis, or maybe some version of the Lord of the Rings, or something like that, that we would just simply read the Bible and go, oh, well, that was you know an ancient idea. Or do we really believe that the devil exists? Because if we really believe that he exists, then we should act like it. As Christians, we should be preparing for battle because I, I can assure you that if I were to tell somebody right now that, hey, while you're away from your home, somebody's robbing your house or your car or trying to steal your possessions or armed with a weapon right outside your door, they would respond differently. They right. would act differently. And as Christians, we talk about him an awful lot, but yet we don't change anything. And then we're told in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God. And Maybe we show up with one piece of right. armor on. Yeah, I mean, rusty. We're, we're, we're totally <laughs> vulnerable, right? I mean, I remember when I was practicing kendo, and I did kendo for a while, and you know, it was, it was, we'd use these rattan sticks, and yep. you practice like you were with sword fighting, if you will. If you came with no armor on, you were going to get hurt. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the right. reality. And the Bible is trying to convey that urgency and the yeah. reality of the spiritual battle place around us, and we just sort of placate it. We just go, oh, that's nice. That's somebody else's problem. And yeah. well, that sounds rough. Uh, I'll just go do it. I'm going to do. <laughs> right. Well, there's that aspect like martial arts. If anybody out there has studied martial arts, you also know like
like so many other things in life, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, that's and true. so you can spend all of this this time with martial arts, so many years gaining these skills. But if you don't continue to maintain and hone those skills, they'll get rusty, and you'll lose those skills. And how much more the same with spiritual warfare and the weapons that we use? That's right. Well, I think we do that regularly. My mother had this magnet on the refrigerator for years. It said, seven days without prayer makes one week." W E A K. Right. I love I that. Love that. It's so true. I love that. Because it's like, well, if I don't eat today, I'm going to be grouchy. Right. My body is going to let me know, hey, right. you, you yeah. needed some food. You didn't have <laughs> right. it. Now, of course, I know fasting is good for us, but sure. reality is that when we fast, we are interjecting a, a strike from a spiritual nature that impacts a physical reality. And now our body is screaming, feed me. And so something has interfered with the natural process and order of things because of a spiritual reality that would believe. And so we know that if we allow the natural order of things to dominate our train of thought, we will starve the spirit and therefore we will feel hungry, weak, and powerless. And that's why we are called to pray without ceasing. This would be something we do all the time, multiple times a day. Pray about everything. You can't pray enough. That's exactly right. right. Otherwise, you're right. We will grow weak in a prayer closet because we just won't have closer communion with God. We'll find ourselves feeling dirty, distant, without relationship with him, feeling like it's been a checkbox relationship. There won't be close proximity there at all. And these are the things that we know better and yet keep doing them. It's like if we're trying to maintain relationship with a spouse, we can't just say, hey, I'll see you in a week and expect it's going to work (laughs) out all the time. Don't talk to them at all. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a daily relationship with the Lord. And I think this is where we need to find our strength. It's not complicated. We make it complicated that we're to be people of the word and in the word. He says his disciples are in the word, he being Jesus, declaring that, and that we're to be people of prayer. And that he demonstrated that physically for the disciples, that we need these things, but yet we find it so difficult to hone in and do the discipline he's called us to do. Yeah, how many times do we read about Jesus going off by himself to pray? That's right. So it was important for the Son of God to do the things <laughs> that he did to go off. And as That's powerful right. as he is, he yep. needed that time alone with the Father. Yeah, How much it, more so do we? Constantly. And with Ephesians 6, the weapons of God, we only have one offensive weapon, and mm-hmm. that's the Word of God. That's the right. rest are defensive weapons, but the offensive one is Scripture. It's the Word of God. Yeah. So just another great reason why we need to be well-grounded in Scripture to be able and, to— And of course, uh, as we talk about the armor of God, and we'll get into that probably in the next few weeks, and I really want to spend some time in that to understand what those pieces are, because there is another side of the fact that I remember in some of our combat training, you would learn as you shod your feet with the gospel of peace, you realize that the imagery there is a lot like the Roman cleat. They weren't just a smooth bottom shoe. They right. had like a cleat in the front so that you could press into the soil and advance forward. Right. So suddenly your shield becomes a wall that's moving forward and advancing into the enemy. So as those fiery arrows are shooting forth, not only does it give you protection, but it gives you advancement in the culture. And so often we're on our heels. We just keep taking blow after blow. We're in a very defensive position, never on the offense. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be. Yeah. I think of it sometimes like Rocky when he's in the corner, he's just turtle shelled and he's just taking the blows. So many (laughs) times in our Christian walk, that's the way we are. And yet when you read scripture, the battle has already been won. This is basically a cleanup operation. That's right. You know, the Lord won that on on the cross and his resurrection. The battle has already been won. And so we need to make sure that we're using these tools, like you said, staying close to the Lord, spending time in prayer, That's right. doing these things basically to express his lordship in us. That's it. You know, we're pledging our allegiance to Jesus every right. day. 
When we do so, when we give bend and knee to Almighty God, we're acknowledging that He is Lord over our lives. We belong to Him. We are a conduit of His mighty works and purposes through us, in our family, in our work, and wherever He takes us. Right, and Jesus even said, it's better that I go, so you'll have the Spirit. That's right. So we have the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in each one of us who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. There is no end. There is no limit to that power. We just fail to use it. That's right. You know, and I think that as, as I asked that question earlier, we do have sort of this mindset that, well, the, you know, God is protecting me, and, and therefore I don't really need to think too much about the roaring lion that seeks to devour. But truth be told, the only thing that's keeping him from ripping us limb from limb is God's protection. Right. Because once we've declared allegiance to Jesus Christ, we are now in enemy-occupied territory right. anywhere in this world. We'll cover that. We'll talk about who the devil is, that he's not working alone, how he works in our lives, how he tries to exploit the vulnerable areas that we give him, because we certainly give him a lot of ammunition, what we can do to counter that, and then to advance forward for the cause of Christ. So it's going to take us a few weeks to get through this, but let me let, highlight a couple things here in our short time. I asked a friend of mine at the church, Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, Bill McLaughlin. He did some research for me. I always want to make sure that whatever I'm giving is not just based on opinion, even though I have some strong opinions uh, that are grounded in the Word, but I want to make sure that what we're telling you is accurate. And so I asked him to go through the Bible and, and navigate through it and cite every occurrence where a spiritual unseen reality directly impacted the physical world, that they're not hermetically sealed, that we're not reading about a spiritual thing over here on one side and a physical reality over here, and that the two don't interact or intersect in any way. Rather, the Bible is a handbook against or in spiritual war, that we are on a battlefield. We've been called as Christian soldiers to fight the good fight. And so as you look at all of those documented occurrences, 354 times wow. in the Bible, a spiritual reality directly impacts a, a physical reality. So the spiritual and physical are very interconnected and affect each other dramatically. And then there are another 44 encounters in which we see some citation to demonic activity or Satan himself. So the Bible covers this a great deal. It's showing throughout history how the demonic activity has directly influenced cultures and people groups. One that we may not always think about is that Satan entered Judas Iscariot that's when right. the time came. I mean, that's just a very you know flagrant you know opportunity or or time when when Satan actually revealed himself right. and exposed his influence and in what was happening in God's plan for creation. And he does that through world leaders time and time again. We'll go through that because in Ezekiel and Isaiah, as we see a prophecy against Tyre and Babylon. Ultimately, with the confederacy of nations that rise up against Jesus Christ before Armageddon, that the devil who's called the dragon is influencing those leaders like pawns. This is why we're called to pray for those in authority around right. us, that God would surround them with Christians who would guide them right, with wisdom. And, and if they're possible, that a believer would actually take that seat of authority. Right. But often it's the Daniel that's influencing a, a non-believing entity right. or agent. And so you, you have to understand that the Lord works in this way. He'll position us around bosses who don't know Jesus. 
He'll position us around uh, individuals in our family who are of great prominence and stature, perhaps a a son-in-law to a father-in-law. And that son-in-law believes, but the father-in-law doesn't. So the influencer becomes an individual of faith who's leading and coming alongside someone who's a decision maker. And so the enemy will deliberately manipulate powers across this earth. That's why he's called the ruler of darkness, of this present darkness, of the power of the air, of this world. And so let me just show you a couple other things here I want you to think about. In our brief time, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, here's what we read. This is the Apostle Paul imploring Timothy about the mission before him to fight the good fight. Now listen to what he says here. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have have suffered shipwreck. So there's those who are walking away. He goes on to say, of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, that's the second time, just a little bunny trail here, because we see that in Corinthians as well, which a believer is giving into sexual immorality. He's not called an unbeliever, but he says, turn him over to Satan, that God would allow him to go through permissible wounds so that he stops blaspheming God, but his soul be saved. Okay, so that happens where the Lord will allow us to go through some struggle and trial. But in this, look what he calls him to, wage the good warfare. It, the word wage there, it's a verb, it's a Greek verb, it's stratuo, which is the source of the word that we get today of strategy, to fight as a soldier, one who uses tactics. We see that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, where he tells us to be wise as serpents. That is, we're going out into a battlefield that's very real with an enemy who wants to rip us limb from limb. He's called the roaring lion who seeks to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. So we dare not take him lightly. So therefore, we need tactics and precision, just as we see with Joshua and Caleb, with Moses. There's always precision in the battles that were before them. Certainly, King David would apply to that. But good warfare, that's an interesting one. How do you have good warfare? Whenever we think of warfare, there's not something good in it, right? Right, I mean, you're just hoping you're on the side of right when there seems to be chaos and destruction and loss of life. But the word that's used here is kalos. It means excellent or noble. And then the next word, warfare, comes from stratia, which means campaign. So what Paul is calling Timothy here to do is to use tactics as a good soldier to fight an excellent campaign. That's not just a short battle. That's a long-term mission. Right, So as long as we're in this flesh, we have a mission to do. Unless the Lord raptures us away tomorrow, until we've breathed our last in this flesh, until we graduate to be with the Lord, there is a mission to be done. There's work to be done. So he's calling him to spiritual battle, and it's of massive proportions. We see that in Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. We'll get into that here a little later in our study over the next few weeks. But here, Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus specifically. It, it was, it, he was in the trenches. He's, he's saying, Timothy, you got to shore up this church. And I love the image there because the church shouldn't be a country club. It should be considered an outpost, a duty station, 
like like a place of of defense right where you've got the cannons ready the walls right. are up the floors are mopped the troops are coming in ready coming for in preparedness. reload <laughs> that's right i mean this should be boot camp when right. we arrive on a sunday morning that we have strapped on our boots they're polished they're ready we're in uniform we're ready for our instruction and ready to go out and do the lord's work because people are going to die if we yeah. don't give them the hope in jesus christ yeah and with that you expose the necessity of community that's we right. need community to mm-hmm. rearm, to reload, to encourage each other. Just think of being weary, coming in off the battlefield, oh. but having your know, brothers in arms there to take care of you, to encourage you, to nourish you. That's Same right. sort of thing when we worship together in community. Well, and like we read of the churches in the beginning of Revelation, we've got seven churches that are highlighted there. Two were commended, and they're going to go through some difficulty. Church of Philadelphia says they'll be spa- spared from the final hour. Uh, but the rest of them, there seems to be something where they've compromised, like especially Laodicea, right? right? I mean, they've become very lukewarm. There's no commitment there. They seem to be going through some of the motions, but they've forgotten their first love. Yeah, And, and, and you see this happening here in Ephesus as well. Timothy is being d- implored by Paul. Paul is now setting him loose. You've got to clean this up because this duty station is a mess. Right, and right. the battle is real on the outside of those walls. You've got to get these troops ready because error was being taught. They had false leaders who were in positions of prominence and power and authority, and godlessness was running amok in the group. So he's right on the forefront of this. He is in the trenches. And at the highest level here, Paul is reminding all of us, and and we see this throughout Scripture especially, that this battle really began with Satan being antagonistic to God. It's God's holy, perfect will and Satan's desire to attack everything against that holy will and this has now impacted all of creation everything and so the key here is to understand that we are going to be in this battle whether we like it or not it is going to be up close and personal you remember when the lord told them to buy swords it was very interesting where he says do you have a sword if you don't buy one very interesting that the lord would tell them to buy swords right. but the kind of sword he implores them to buy there is it like a dagger right and it gives the imagery that this is going to be up close and yeah. personal it's going to be in your face hand to hand you've got to be ready that's right. right yeah that's right it's not going to be from a distance somewhere right it's not somewhere you're going to be lobbing shots over a hilltop somewhere it's going to be in your face and that's in your families and all of your spheres of influence he tells us in luke 14 31 or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Now, that seems logical that a king knows that if he's going to advance in warfare against another king, that he has to consider the cost. And that's exactly the message that was being conveyed there. Consider the cost. Count the cost that we are either for him or against him. There is no neutral ground. Either you're with the king of righteousness and light, or you're with the king of darkness, who is already defeated, as you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast. We know the outcome of this. Isaiah 46.10 tells us that God saw the end from the beginning. He's already, Satan's defeated already. So if our allegiance is with him, because we haven't given allegiance to Jesus Christ, we will go with him to his destination. That's it. There's only two roads. And so with this, we find that we have to count the cost. And I know that today, in this day and age, we talk about spiritual warfare. We struggle to process what that is, because so often in the Western mindset, we find that our inconveniences are spiritual warfare. In fact, one pastor was sharing about a woman who came to him and said these powerful words, Satan is attacking me 
to the, to the degree that I can't deal with it anymore. Satan is giving me onslaughts that I can't cope with. I'm at the end of my rope. To which any pastor would have said, wow, let's stop right now. What is going on in this spiritual battle place that you're in? And she says, well, I'm painting my house and we've had to put sheets all over the furniture and I don't think I can stand it any longer. And that was her idea of spiritual warfare, that she has inconvenienced by dust in her house. And this is our fault because we have preached the gospel of psychology, self-esteem, revitalization, prosperity, all of the name it, claim it, my best life now type of ideology. Sadly resonates. Yeah, Yeah. and all of this, it's now become sort of what we're expecting of our walk with the Lord is instead of expecting adversity and warfare and trenches that we've got to walk through for his great namesake. So we're just getting started. We are going to go through this to great detail. Dr. Ford and I are going to cover this. Who is our enemy? How does he work? how we can see and, and and look at the signs of the times and understand what he's up to, but not that our eyes are fixed on him, but as good soldiers, we're attentive to what's going on around us. Therefore, we can put on the armor of God, advance in the cause of Christ, and fight the noble warfare. That's what he's called us to do. So I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. You can learn more about our ministry at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. And services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. Check us out at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends. Take care.